1: Muscular and or mustached Muchachos, mudskippers mm-hmm. And muffins, this is Good Job Brain Your weekly quiz show and offbeat Trivia podcast. Today's show Is episode 102 And of course I am your humble Host Karen and we are your Orating orchestra of original Organisms orbiting ortolans I am Colin I'm Dana
2: and I'm Chris
1: Alright time for our first general Trivia segment pop quiz hot shot And I have a random Trivial Pursuit card, and you guys have your barnyard buzzers. Here we go. Blue Wedge for Geography. What 1980 Blondie hit was originally a Jamaican pop song recorded by the Paragons in 1967? (laughs) (laughs) Colin.
3: That is, The Tide is High. Yes. Oh, I wouldn't have gotten that right. right.
1: Pink Wedge for Pop Culture. Cigar entrepreneur Bill Rankick. Rancic? Rancic. Rancic? Rancic. Rancic. All right. <laughs> Was the oh, yeah. first winner of what TV competition?
2: <laughs> Chris. The Apprentice.
1: Yes, The Apprentice. Yellow Edge, what sort of giant sound did Ross Perot claim the United States would hear if NAFTA passed? <laughs> what?
3: But
2: is it a A Giant,
3: a giant sucking sound, yeah. right?
1: Yes. 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 <laughs> it just said sucking. Oh, sucking. Okay. Yeah.
2: What's that giant sucking sound?
1: What is NAFTA?
2: North American Atlantic American Federal Trade? North American no. Free Trade, Trade, free Trade free Agreement. Free Trade Agreement. Yeah. yeah. Makes it, it
0: easier to exchange mm. things with Canada and Mexico. Right.
1: Mm. Alright, Purple Wedge. Cynthia Brimhall was the first Playboy Playmate to appear in her centerfold free of what?
2: <laughs> Chris. Cubic hair. No. That's well what I, was I don't gonna know. Guess. Maybe it was.
3: Oh no, I was gonna say the bunny ears, but I don't think that's it either. Free. Underwear? Uh, it,
1: it's not about her. It's mostly about the magazine.
3: Oh, oh. oh.
2: uh staples? Yes! Oh <laughs> Okay, I see. Kind of far. So it's really, so it's really more of a magazine production. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: yes. The magazine switched to a glued binding with the October 1985 Uh, issue. Oh, that's that's
2: a good one. That's pretty late, eighty-five.
1: Wait, oh, so that means
2: there's no like staple holes, right? (laughs) You don't need to worry about. (laughs) what's covered up or what would have been shown had (laughs) there not been these unsightly staples. Right underneath
3: that staple there's
2: something really good. (laughs) They always hide it underneath the staples.
1: (laughs) Green wedge for science. A famous photo of Albert Einstein taken on his 72nd birthday shows him doing what in the backseat of a car? (laughs)
3: Uh, is, that, is that the photo of him sticking his tongue out? Yes. Okay. okay.
1: Doesn't look like it's the backseat of a car. I, I didn't know, know that. that. Oh, I didn't know that. Seems like a portrait. Yeah. Huh. All right, last question Orange Wedge. I'm going to not let Chris answer this. I'm going to let Dana I and Colin put answer
2: this. Right, I okay. down. Right. Okay,
1: video games. Name three of the five fruits that appear for bonus points in the original arcade version of Pac-Man.
3: Uh-huh. Work
0: together. You can work together. So cherries, cherries strawberries,
3: one. orange. Peach?
0: Pretzel, but that's not a fruit.
3: So we're going to go three. So we know yeah. cherries. Cherries. Uh, There's definitely an orange. Definitely an orange. No orange. Oh, wait. Miss
0: Pac-Man has the orange. I played Ms.
1: Pac-Man. Cherries.
3: Cherries. I think one was a peach.
1: Peach. Ding, I ding, think ding, ding, okay. ding. apple.
3: Was there ding, a strawberry? No. Oh, okay. Strawberry. Ding
2: ding
1: ding ding ding. Watermelon. No. Last oh. one was grapes. Grapes. Ah, okay. Ah. I assume it's a cluster, not
2: yeah wa- yeah because
1: yeah, that'd you be a, a that would, a that would a just green be ball. a Plum or yeah. yeah. Good job, brains. Oh, that was a good one. And we have a lobe trotter fact. A lobe trotter postcard. Lobe trotters are our fan club members who got the fan club pack last year. They get to send in a cool fact
2: this is it's from- a real it's a real Sophie's choice too because you made this uh you made this uh the postcard is really elegantly designed and it's a cool little piece of good job brain memorabilia and they have to send it back they have to send it back to you
1: so this is from Scott and Bailey they said this. Greetings from Detroit. Detroit has the only floating post office (laughs) in the USA. The JW Westcott second docks just south of the Ambassador Bridge along the western shore of the Detroit River. She is America's only floating zip code. That That is cool. 48222. Uh, Delivering for over a hundred years and was originally formed to inform ships of changes and orders. Hmm. Uh, Today, the ship Duties include mail delivery, freight delivery, and passenger delivery to large vessels. Uh, she has even been known to deliver mid-river pizzas. <laughs> That's awesome. I, I know. I was like, oh my yeah. god, you get pizzas on this floating thing. Thank <laughs> yeah. you, Scott and Bailey, for your awesome fact. So this week, our topic is suggested by Colin.
3: Yeah, so you know I've been interested before in things that move fast, things that travel fast. I want to talk all <laughs> about speed. I feel <laughs> the need, the need, need for, for speed.
4: speed. So got you jumping off the deck, shoving in the overdrive.
2: You guys can keep doing that, but Dana and I are not going to do that with you. I'm sorry.
0: (laughs) We We can try to do it. All right, so I have a quiz for you guys. All right. I would say... It's tangentially about speed. All right. <laughs> I found a number of words that have the word fast somewhere in the word. Oh, great.
4: Word. Oh,
1: word puzzle. Yeah. Word puzzle. I love
2: a good word puzzle. So
0: I will give you a clue about right. the word and then you guys buzz in and tell me what it is. All right. All right. Molly Ringwald, Cillian Murphy, and Audrey Hepburn were all in movies with this word in the title. <laughs> Mm, Colin.
3: Breakfast. Yes. Oh. Breakfast club,
0: club. Breakfast on Mars with Cillian Murphy and, and breakfast, breakfast at, at Tiffany's. Mm-hmm. This word originally meant disagreeable, distasteful, and later it meant disgusted. The current meaning, very attentive to detail, ah. dates from the 17th century. Chris.
2: Fastidious.
0: Fastidious. Oh. I think it's funny that originally it meant just dis- disagreeable and distasteful. Yeah. Like people who are fastidious are often also
4: <laughs> disagreeable oh, no. Goblet, exactly. <laughs>
0: <Right>. thrown. <laughs> That's right. Shots fired. Just relax, okay.
3: Just relax. It's gonna be okay.
2: Come on. <laughs> just a quiz. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Batten, flange, frog, pem nut, treasury tag, and wedge anchor are all examples of this. You guys are good. Uh, Fasteners? Fasteners. Fasteners. They're all types of fasteners. I like flange. Mm. Mm. Flange. Yeah. (laughs) In Pokemon. Yes. Yes. This ability raises the Pokemon's speed stat by one stage every time it flinches.
2: I I have never I'd played on. No idea. Wait, is that a
0: buffer attack?
2: All right. I'm so what, embarrassed. Yeah, what, it
0: is steadfast.
2: I'm sure a lot of the kids out there got that. <laughs> yeah, that's right. They feel yeah. very good about themselves. Good.
0: They should. <laughs> a number of people in Christian denominations practiced this during Lent. Mm, Karen.
1: Fasting? Yes. Hmm.
0: This band was known for their 1998 song, The Way, about the disappearance of an elderly married couple. Uh. Karen.
1: Fast ball, yes. Some nineteen nineties music. <laughs> That's
0: right. Okay. The nineteen sixty six Ford Mustang and the Tesla Model S are examples of this type of car body shape. Oh, uh, that is a
3: fastback. Yes. Oh,
0: it's like the slopy, um, like a hatchback kind of, but a little bit slicker looking. Yeah. Like,
2: like It's one letter engled.
1: away from fatback.
2: Yeah, it is. Which. It, there's some fat back right in this room right now that oh. we're going to put into the sausage later on this evening so they're making cheddar sausage yeah
0: <laughs> good job you guys nice.
3: <laughs> we took a little uh, detour into sausage land at the end there yeah
2: we, uh, it's nobody, top of mind yeah nobody yeah. ever minds the detour into sausage land <laughs> that's, that's what she said mm-hmm. <laughs> right. cheddar cheddar worst more like cheddar best oh,
0: oh. that's for a different episode maybe that's... we need to explore the wonderful world of sausage sausage puns yeah yeah
1: so, oh, just pun. Just sausage uh, Just sausage puns. Puns.
2: Right, 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 right. Kielbasa? I don't even know her. Um, <laughs> what? That doesn't make mean- sense. Listen, you tried coming up with a second sausage pun. Just seconds after the Wait first sausage Hold pun.
0: You, you don't see the links between the oh. two? Oh, wow. <laughs>
1: there you
4: go.
1: Slow mm-hmm. clap. <laughs>
2: When we talk about speed, there is one company, especially in the United States, that is synonymous with speedily delivering something, getting something to you at the absolute top rate of speed. It's a, it's it really it's FedEx. It's FedEx. become FedEx. A, it's become a verb. Oh, FedEx it over to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of those one of those good problems to have where your uh, your brand starts becoming a uh, a genericized term, and you want to prevent against it, but at the same time, it means you're you are synonymous. You are owning yeah. that. Yeah. that, that well, yeah, and and in, and in fact federal express the, the the company which was founded in the early 70s really started the idea of you need this thing immediately, and we are the people who are going to get it to you immediately. So when FedEx was founded, its founder's name is Frederick Smith, and he's still the CEO of FedEx, it was all because of the emerging computer world, the landscape of computers. More and more businesses were relying on computers to get things done. Mm-hmm. And what this meant was, uh, what, what Fred Smith kind of understood, uh-huh. was that if your computer's broken, then you're, you're reliant on computer parts. You've yep. got to get your computer fixed, which means that this small part, they've got to get it to you fast. And you were going to pay a lot of money to get you that thing fast. Yeah. If you think about it, prior to this, there really wasn't that big of a need for you to get something. You've got to have it overnight. I gotta have this overnighted to me. What was the need for that? If You needed shoes for your horse. You know, the guy <laughs> next door made yeah. shoes for your horse. It wasn't It wasn't like there was only one company in America that serviced everybody. It's like, you know, you got it from your local business, and that was fine. Right.
1: I thought it was gonna be documents. The urgency of documents. Because now when you yeah. FedEx stuff, most mm-hmm. of the time it's oh, the deed, or I need to get this notarized. Yeah. And, we'll
2: and certainly, uh, Fred Smith also perceived that that was something. But there was actually a reason that he could get into that business first, which okay. I will which I will oh, talk about yeah. in you. due time. Yes, what but thank you for bringing you it up. 1971 was when he founded Federal Express. Okay. He had the idea when he was a student at Yale University, right, right. Um, and yeah. he actually wrote a paper about it. The situation at the time was, if you wanted to get something from, I don't know, California to New York, and you wanted to get it there as fast as you possibly could, it had to go through many different companies, because mm-hmm. there was no one company at all <sighs> that will... No so, private company. Uh, there was no right? private company. company. There was the United States Postal Service and they were flying packages, you know, by mail. But if you wanted a private company to really like, you know, courier this thing and get it there as soon as possible, it would have to go on, you know, an an air freight plane, but somebody would have to put it on the plane and then some other company would have to come in and pick it up. And all of these little Mm -hmm. things would just delay, delay, delay. And so he realized, gee, if there was, or he hypothesized really at this point, if there was one company that owned the trucks, and they had a centralized, you know, sorting system, and that they were basically an airline, they would use the hub and spoke system and have a centralized hub, the item would go there, it would get sorted, then it would go on the plane, then he writes the paper about it, and he got a bad grade. Right, right. <laughs> yes. really? of course. I mean, apparently the professor was just sort of like, yeah, this is not, this is not feasible. And there were reasons why it wasn't totally feasible, which again, we'll, we'll get to. In 1971, he founded Federal Express. He had a, a significant advantage because his family was rich. Okay. <laughs> and well, he was actually, able to, he had $8 million in what? family money that he was able to invest. You know, if you want to burn through $8 million, start an airline, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So he had to buy a bunch of planes, he had to buy everything else, offices around the country, trucks, everything. Wow. Um, and they burned, they burned through that pretty fast. Yeah. And in fact, there was a point, I mean, like a lot of startups, they weren't profitable at first. There came a time in 1973. Two years after he had founded Federal Express, the company was down to its last $5,000 in the bank. At the beginning of a weekend, it was a Friday. And what they were facing was they were not going to be able to fuel the planes on Monday. They were not going to be able to make payroll on Monday. And they just didn't have enough cash to do it. They were kind of between rounds of venture capital. They just didn't have a lot of cash. And I mean... You have to have cash to keep the doors open, as you
3: say, things like jet fuel and yeah. <laughs> running jet trucks fuel it's and not payroll and yeah, everything. Like right? Friday. Yeah, yeah. So
2: Fred Smith, faced with this problem, going into the weekend, decides he takes the $5,000 dollars. Goes to Las Vegas, Nevada And he plays blackjack Yeah. On Monday He wires $32,000 Back to FedEx It is enough to buy the fuel It is enough to make payroll It is enough to keep the company going (laughs) This man's a gambler in every sense Oh yeah Well I mean people asked him about it They were like You did what with the what? And he's like It didn't matter It didn't matter We were gonna $5,000 or $0 We weren't gonna be able to make payroll We weren't gonna be able to buy fuel (laughs) It didn't matter At least he could, he was a great blackjack player, apparently. It's
0: true. Yeah. $5,000 is the same as $0 at at that case. Yeah. Yeah. At that that point. But
2: 32 was enough to keep the doors Mm -hmm. open. And then that was the turnaround. They, they were able to make it to the next point where they needed more venture capital. They got it and then they were able to get profitable. Now, as we have teased a couple of times, (laughs) there were two major regulations. ...that FedEx believed were really keeping it from, like, exploding. Number one, there were federal government regulations on what size airplanes that a cargo airline could use. Mm -hmm. Uh. The jet they were using was called the Dassault Falcon, and they were small. In 1977, after, like, heavy lobbying from FedEx, Congress backed off of these restrictions... That same year, FedEx went out and bought seven Boeing 20- 727. Got it. And was seven times as big as the Falcons.
4: Okay.
2: Yep. The other thing holding it back, prior to 1979, it was illegal to use another means of sending someone a letter. Mm. Whoa!
4: Yep. Yeah. It was
2: illegal to compete with the Postal Service. So there was um, private cargo still, and private goods, but yeah. no private letters. Yes. Yeah. You could send a package via something else, but the Postal Service had a government-ordered monopoly on the sending of letters. But in 79, there was a lot of pressure from, from businesses saying, you guys, you're not good at your jobs. Like, you're not, we, we need to be able to send documents, like, overnight documents. It's really important. And. You know, it took years, but yeah, in 79, they said, they they changed the regulations and they said that a private company could deliver letters just as long as it had to cost at least twice as much as first-class mail, uh, okay. or if it was an overnight, urgent overnight delivery. 1981, FedEx introduced overnight letter wow. service. And that must have just been opening the floodgates for them. Oh, yeah. Now, ironically, right now... If you send U.S. Postal Service priority mail or U.S. Postal Service express mail, anything that travels in the air, FedEx handles that. <laughs>
3: they, they outsource
2: have, it. They have the con- <laughs> yeah. yeah, they contract it out to FedEx. So all um, of the air travel that this mail does, not the ground travel, because that's in your mail trucks, right? But all of the air travel that is, which they were sort of forced that so they actually, to do. I mean, yeah, yeah. They just won the contract uh, again in 2013. They'd had the contract wow. uh, for a while and they just got yeah, it again for the seven sense. years. Yeah. There's no-
4: yeah.
0: Yeah, They USPS realized they planes. couldn't compete.
2: So you see a FedEx plane flying around. It's got your FedEx, and it, then it's also got... Your regular... Your your, your postal. postal. Yeah. yeah. Any priority and Express. So again, as we've talked about, lots of fascinating stuff here. Federal Express, as in the company that delivers things overnight, is not named that anymore. Right. And mm-hmm. it's actually called, and you've seen this on the boxes... FedEx Express. It is a redundant <laughs>
1: recursive <laughs> okay. name. Federal yeah. Express
2: Express. It's called FedEx. FedEx Express. It is now just one of many companies operated by the umbrella group FedEx Corp. And the other companies you probably worked with them a lot too. As we got into the late '90s and the uh, you know early 2000s, a couple of things started happening that really started affecting FedEx's bottom line. Number one people stopped really needing to send overnight letters to people because you can just you send them an email yep. yeah. right so that bottoms out number 2 the the good part was people stopped uh, maybe people aren't sending as many like super urgent overnight documents anymore but with ebay and amazon People are now not only buying a lot more stuff online, the average person is now becoming a small business and, like, sending mm-hmm. stuff out online, selling their possessions on eBay. So there suddenly became more of a need for slightly less fast shipping, for shipping yeah. that was cheaper but not quite as fast. So FedEx, there were two, you know, big acquisitions. One was the copy shop, uh, Kinko's, yeah. right? Which they then changed into FedEx Kinkos. And now I believe it's just called FedEx office. Yep. The reason for buying it was not only because, yeah, it's sort of the same thing. You know, you're a business. You got to get copies made. You got to send things. It's sort yeah. of all, you know, of a piece, but it was having FedEx drop off locations right. for big yeah. parcels all over the place. The other acquisition was RPS, the, the ground delivery service mm. that was a, you might, I, I used to see yellow. RPS trucks. I've never seen them out and about. Maybe it was more of an East Coast thing, but they <laughs> bought them. And uh, and so that's how they start competing with UPS in terms of the slower ground delivery. So now you see FedEx Ground with right. the green yes. yeah, 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 yeah. yes. logo. Mm-hmm. Separate company right. operated by FedEx Corp. Those two acquisitions were really important in terms of because their revenue transitioned significantly from the overnight business being most of it to, you Shipping know, in being general. a lesser and lesser percentage because now they have to do these cheaper things for for people. Yep. Got it. Got it. Wow. And uh, all told, an average of 10 million packages a day. Wow. Wow. Go through the FedEx system. They huh. also have flown pandas. They, uh, have, they flew pandas from the United States to to China. China? Yeah. Do they call that Panda Express? They?
1: Uh, <laughs> they did not. I thought pandas sat
0: on the like, plane uh, like, the, like the like a cushion seat. Yeah. And then they get <laughs> drinks and nuts and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I'm gonna go,
3: yeah. I'm gonna go ahead and say no, no, no to that. There was a viral photo that. Yeah, was, that's what that was I saw. A, oh, no, was a photo uh, photo that no.
2: A no. They outfitted a whole FedEx cargo plane with a special panda delivery. Yeah,
3: yeah. I thought that was weird because I saw that one viral picture and I was like, "Yeah, that was that was a fake that that photo that was circulating." Yeah. So keeping in line with the theme of speed and quickness and fast, I have assembled a quiz for you guys called How Fast?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Real fast. How fast
3: is it? (laughs) And what we're going to do in this quiz is I'm going to ask you guys questions about various speed records and how fast certain things go, and you're going to give me your best estimate. And here's a little Um, twist is we're going to do this uh, Price is Right style answers. So it's closest to the actual answer without going over. Okay. Okay. So we'll rotate who goes first here. So no one's at an advantage or disadvantage. So Karen, we'll start with you going first and we'll rotate from there. Okay. All right. So you all have a pad and pen and you're going to write down your answers. These are all going to be in miles per hour. What unit? These will all be in miles per hour and I've rounded them all off. Uh, and okay. of course, I will exercise judges' discretion as needed. Okay. So, to the nearest mile per hour.
1: Why oh, you guys use kilometers?
3: Because we're American. Yeah. Okay. All right, here we go. Give me your best estimate. What is the record for the fastest pitch ever recorded in Major League Baseball history?
1: I am so bad. Got
2: to lock in your. You Got you to lock something,
1: in, something in.
3: Price is right style. So Karen yeah. will give her answer, and then Chris and Dana get to see it. Okay. All right, Karen has guessed 114 miles per hour. All right, Chris's turn. Ooh. I'm good with visualization, but, like,
1: speed is such a, <laughs> a, you know, you can't, you see something go by. I just, I know, I know. Don't, I, I cannot know. understand. Yeah,
2: 131 it. miles per hour. Ooh. All right.
1: All right.
0: I and Dana is guessing. One... <laughs> i would say
3: one fifteen. Okay. <laughs> okay, so you're all over. So, uh, uh, but Karen is the closest, so we'll give the, we'll give the point to Karen. If no, you, you, No, no one she gets. It, so no one gets the point. Yeah. No one okay. gets. the your own <laughs> Well, I, do we need an exception for when you all go over? No, all right. no. So that's that's a. Uh, The the fastest officially recorded pitch was 105 Uh, miles per hour. I almost said
1: 104, too. I was like,
3: ah. Aroldis Chapman, uh, who plays for the Cincinnati Reds, uh, yep, threw that pitch in 2010. And uh, for our non-American listeners, that is a little bit over 168 kilometers an hour. (sighs) Okay. When we talk about supersonic jets... Which we uh, do a lot. Which we do. We have more than once. Uh, of mm. course, that means jets that travel faster than the speed of sound. Uh huh. Oh, so. Oh, man. Give me your (laughs) best answer. Okay. This is not a sports question, so you can't dig me for that. Uh, What? This is almost like What is the speed of sound? Uh, And I will for you uh, uh, scientifically minded people. This is in dry air, at sea level, at normal temperature and pressure and all that stuff.
1: I like don't even know where to begin. What's the speed
3: of sound? Uh, And Chris is going first. All right. He wrote a long thing. Chris has written 953 miles per hour. Dana has written... 300. 300 miles per hour. Karen, 1,000 miles per hour. Uh, Dana was closest without going over. Uh, it is, in fact, 767. Oh, yeah. 767 <laughs> miles per hour.
0: <laughs> I won, but I was pretty far off.
3: That's the beauty of prices Right yeah. style right. For yeah. True. Yeah, exactly. And again, with the conversion to kilometers, that is 1,234 kilometers. Oh, 1,
1: 2, 3, 4. It so is, yeah. 1, 2, 3, 4 that, per wait, hour. Wait, this is a good mnemonic. So, like, mm. planes, you think about planes traveling sound, 767 is a plane model. Right, right. Yeah, right. okay. Yeah. Right? Although you might forget and say 747. <laughs> yeah, but you're close. Yeah, yeah you are close. close. 767. Right. And then kilometers is one, two, three, four. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
3: nice. mm-hmm. I think we accidentally came up with a mnemonic yeah. there. Usain Bolt uh, is rightly recognized as the fastest human in the world. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, he currently, in case you aren't aware, he currently holds the world records in both the 100 meters and the 200 meters. So tell me, at his peak in miles per hour, how fast how fast does Usain Bolt run? I think Karen knows and that. And I can give him. you a hint if you I, want I know, the average on, person. I know,
1: How? Min, I know minute per mile, which means I
3: have to do some conversion. So the, the generally accepted number is like a, a, a human in good condition can sort of peak at around 23 miles an hour. Okay. Dana has answered 32 miles an hour. 80. Karen has guessed 80 miles an hour. Chris has says 33 <laughs> uh, again you were all over oh, uh, no. <laughs> uh, what is it? Uh, it just under 28 miles an hour so I
2: should have guessed one mile
3: an hour. Uh, yeah. yeah, right. As the last person. Well I yeah. had
2: I mean, you know, from a from a game uh, you know theory standpoint, I had two potential options, right? I could yeah. guess one, which means that it's under Dana, or, or I could go guess thirty three, which means oh. that it's between in that big fat zone between yeah. Dana's and yours. Right, or, right. Or after but I parents. just the, No, no, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's crazy talk. Yeah,
3: at eighty miles an hour he would be uh, faster than a cheetah. And once more, the kilometer conversion that would be just under 45 kilometers an hour.
1: I really appreciate your kilometer conversion for me. Because you're so
2: continental. I mean,
1: like, I know miles because that's the distance I run in, but in terms of like scaling it for cars and planes, I have no idea. Oh,
3: interesting. (laughs) According to Guinness World Records, how fast is the fastest production car in the world. Production, what does that mean? So production car means we're not talking about a one-off Formula One racer or something like that. So production oh. car has a very specific definition in terms of Guinness's rules. Like this is a car that if you had enough money, you could buy one of these. I mean, it, it's got to pass emissions tests. test. It's got to have, you know, headlights and, and turn signals. And, and also one other stipulation is it has to be a car that there are 30 of them produced, you know? Okay, so okay. this is sort of to get around companies producing cars just to break this uh, speed record so to the nearest mile per hour how fast now these are super performance Mm -hmm. super expensive cars Mm -hmm. way faster than you and i ever drive karen has guessed 130 miles an hour okay chris has guessed 218 miles per hour what
4: Dana's (laughs)
3: $1. Dana's going. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yep. Dana's mm-hmm. guessed 131 miles an hour. Uh, Chris is closest, oh, and man. even Chris is still uh, below by a good bit. Yeah, uh, the Guinness recognizes the Bugatti Veyron Super Sport as the world's fastest production car with a recorded top peak speed of 268 wow. miles per hour. Now, when they do these speed tests, they do these on, like, landing strips. And, I mean, because they need that much space to get up to speed. Mm -hmm. And this record actually is not without a little bit of controversy. Just last month, this past February... Did the
2: car take steroids? The...
3: uh, (laughs) (laughs) The Hennessy boutique car manufacturer, they make a car called the Venom. The Hennessy Venom GT recorded a peak speed of 270 miles per hour uh, at a speed test at the Kennedy Space Center Mm -hmm. uh, on the runway where they land the space shuttles, actually. uh, So, even even though it did peak faster uh, it doesn't qualify for the Guinness record for for two reasons one production. they they're not making enough of them to hit the production level limit okay. they're just okay. making below that number and also Guinness requires you do two runs in both directions and then they average them out oh, um, that's smart. to cancel out any wind effects or anything like oh. that and unfortunately the Hennessy people they were only able to secure enough time to do one length of a race NASA wouldn't let them do another race the other direction oh yeah Because
2: they got a space shuttle. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, folks, we're about to get runway clearance. (laughs) There is a sports car on the runway, but we've been told we're next in line. (laughs) Yeah,
3: yeah. we're just gonna circle around one time. Just sit tight. Uh, And that speed record, again converted to kilometers, is four hundred and thirty-one kilometers an hour.
0: What about Usain Bolt driving (laughs) one of (laughs)
3: these? with a cheetah in the trunk. Wait, I guess that wouldn't make it faster. Yeah.
2: What if there was a plane going the speed of sound and then Usain Bolt was in the car at the back of the plane and then drove forward in the plane? With the cheetah. With the
3: cheetah. That's
2: right. How fast? Wow.
3: Does the earth rotate? Hmm. By which uh. I mean at the equator <laughs> Relative to its axis.
0: Science facts. You're supposed to know. How fast
3: Man. does the Earth rotate?
0: I can, I can almost hear people yelling at us in the car. We had like this they question know. Before. We
3: have talked about this, right? And again, this is one where if you had the right, I mean, you have one piece of data. You know a day is 24 hours. So you really just need to know the circumference of the Earth to kind of back Wait, this out. Your, so me. who's up first? Chris is up. Chris has answered 97,580 miles per hour. Dana. Dana said one mile an hour. I said right. one dollar. <laughs> oh.
2: Karen and Karen. No. Oh. You gotta go two dollars. What is it,
3: Karen? I think you should have stuck with what you originally had. I reme-
1: Okay, hold on. I remember it's one and a bunch of zeros. Uh-huh. It's either six zeros or four zeros. Either uh-huh. one thousand or ten thousand. You put hundred thousand.
3: Karen put a hundred thousand. Uh huh. The answer is 1,000 miles an hour. Ah, I got it! Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was my I first told you! Put, uh, put
2: $2. You're not, you're not, you're not game theorying this thing.
3: It's actually slightly over 1,000 miles an hour, but yeah, the circumference of
4: the, the,
3: circumference of the Earth at the equator is Darn. just under 25,000 miles. Uh, and again, sure. lastly, that is 1,600 kilometers an hour, a little bit over. How fast they rotate. They didn't even
1: put the right unit. She said $1, not even miles per hour. Is. <laughs> a mile. <laughs> One, a dollar a mile. $1 a
3: mile. This is the uh, the good and the bad of Price's Right style scoring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good job, guys. Well done. Wow, Thank thanks. you.
1: Thank you. All right, let's take a quick ad break. A word from our sponsor. Welcome back. You're listening to Good Job Brain. And this week we're talking about things that are speedy, things that are fast, and things that are instant. All right, I'm going to ask you guys this question first. According to a poll in the year 2000, the Japanese believed that their best invention of the 20th
3: century was what? 20th. Instant noodles.
2: Yes! Oh, okay. Darn
1: it. I thought people were going to be like, oh, it's the Shinkansen train or oh. whatever. Oh, you got it. Instant noodles. the yeah. uh, Instant noodles we know here in America mostly are the Nissan cup noodles. Yeah. Or know?
2: like Maruchan, the sort of like brick of noodles. In yeah. a plastic
1: yeah. bag. Right, cup yeah. And, and
2: then profit. that's it. Yeah. That's it. There's the only two.
1: Back in Taiwan growing up, the variety is insane yeah. mm-hmm. and it's fancy. Things get uh-huh. fancy. It's still cheap. Like, but like what? They actually can add meat. And meat is in like stewed meat in a pouch uh. that you can open and put over your noodles. I grew up really liking the weird kind of Chinese herbal medicine flavored noodles. Huh. Um, the noodles themselves, like they range from vermicelli. They range from egg noodles. But I mean, they're all instant I would say that was one of the disappointments of uh, coming here in America. I was like, well, you guys just have these cup kinds. Or my fancy kinds.
2: Sorry. Uh, They're in Japan.
1: They're also in Japan, Mm -hmm. too. Yeah. So instant noodles were actually invented... By a Taiwanese person oh, really? oh. in Japan. The inventor, his Chinese name is Hu Bai Fu. He changed his name when he moved to Japan. To Johnny Noodles. To
0: <laughs>
1: Johnny I, Noodles, I for instant. Yeah. This is back when... Taiwan was still, well, was under Japanese occupation. Oh. Uh, there are a lot of uh, people who,
3: uh.
1: yep, people who would move to Japan or Japan moved to Taiwan, and he had a Japanese name. Um, it was actually a literal translation of his Chinese name. Which uh, literally translates to hundred prosperity or hundred luck. His Japanese name also literally meant that from his Chinese name, which is mm-hmm. Momofuku.
2: Oh, okay.
1: Oh. His name is Momofuku Ando. That's his Japanese name. And you might know Momofuku mm-hmm. because that is uh, celebrity chef David Chang and his uh, ramen restaurant and Asian restaurants in New York City. Yeah. It's called Momofuku. Yeah, Fuku. I had no idea that was the
2: connection. Also means lucky hundred, peach. hundred luck, yeah. That, well, yeah. that's what I thought it meant, lucky peach, right? Yeah. But- it was
1: a nod to to the inventor of ramen, wow. wow. or instant, sorry, instant noodles. This is how it works. So you have the noodle dough, pretty basic, you know, starch and water, extruded out into noodle form, and the fresh noodles made is basically dunked and flash fried in oil, uh. um, and that's the that's the quote cooking process. And the noodles themselves, they're dried from the flash frying process goes from your average kind of moisture content of 30% to 50% after frying to 5%. Whoa. Mm-hmm. That's a lot. Taking The flash fire really takes a lot of the water out. And this is why a lot of people say that it's not very healthy, which it isn't. It has a high starch content and a high oil content. Because I don't basically, think I knew that they
3: were, yeah, fried. You're eating
1: a yeah. soggy fried food. Yeah. That's yeah. what you're yeah. eating. Yeah. Yeah. You're like, "Oh, it's boiling noodles." It's yeah. no. You're you're putting water <laughs> yeah. in a Noodle, side. idea. flour item.
2: and water now.
1: Yeah. No, nope, nope. deep fried. And in 2005, instant noodles in space. They modified instant noodles uh, for astronauts, and it's called Space Ram, or I guess Space Rom.
2: <laughs> space Rom. Space Rom. Ram? So like
1: spa- space Ramen. Oh, I it. see. But I they see. call it
2: Space Ram. Space Rom.
1: Which is Space Ram. They didn't Ram. really
2: understand like, where the breaks <laughs> yeah. in that were. Yeah. Uh, her. yeah. yeah. <laughs>
1: space Ram. The modifications are clever. So... You know, when we have instant noodles, it's usually a brick or a big yeah. chunk, right? They made little balls of ramen. They separated big chunks into little, little balls. They had to make the soup thicker so that it wouldn't spill in space mm. or oh. it wouldn't be messy in space. They modified the starch content in the noodles so that it can be cooked with not boiling water. Cooked mm-hmm. with hot water but not boiling water oh, because okay. water cannot boil in space mm. so they that to come huh. up with a way that you can cook the noodles Got with it. a
3: lower temperature water
1: i looked at pictures for this doesn't look very good but i think <laughs> most astronaut food doesn't look very most space good. food yeah mm-hmm. it's yeah. not
3: about uh, the presentation <laughs> yeah,
1: no. yeah. And of course in addition to asia uh, instant noodles are super popular in countries like Nigeria and Brazil and Mexico. This is why this is one of the the best inventions of the 20th century, because it's cheap, it is satisfying, it has enough calories in it. For a lot of countries, this really helps with their hunger problem. It doesn't
3: go bad sitting on the shelf. It doesn't
1: go bad. Yeah, it can last for a while. Mm. And one of the experts say that they're cheap, they're tasty, and they're tweakable. And that's the thing. I mean, oh, sure, yeah. And and therefore you can change the flavors for a lot of different countries according to their own taste. That's, that's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In Brazil, the really popular flavors are four cheese and tomato bacon. Oh, you know? delicious! That yeah. sounds good. And, and, and yeah. for us, it seems kind of weird. Like, whoa, not tomato? Oh, I was like, I, yeah, yeah, why not? Because <laughs> you're used to like chicken or beef or right. seafood, um, right, like yeah, a little bit right, out shrimp there. or
3: something, right? Yeah. yeah.
1: And I got one last fact. Oh, actually, a, a question for you guys per capita. What country consumes the greatest amount of instant
3: noodles? Hmm. Uh, I
1: like, what's the US. your theory of guessing? Well,
3: my theory of guessing is that it's a trick, but I'll go with the obvious answer. I'll, I'll guess Japan.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
2: I was gonna guess Japan, but how about Taiwan? In I Dan guess the guess-
0: U.S. because we eat so much.
1: Christ. It is South King Korea. Food.
2: Oh, okay. So
1: in between. Close. They, in I mean, between Japan yeah. and Taiwan. You, know, so you got there.
2: One, but, one hand on the mouse, the other hand yeah. on, the, yeah. on, on the noodles.
1: There's I, a
0: lot of really Starcraft good noodles, feel. though. Korean-style ramen. Yeah. And, and mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. the kimchi flavor.
1: You know what? I bet the StarCraft thing, I would love to see like some sort of study about like esports and gaming and right. instant food. What do yeah. 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 Well, yeah. that I, a, I associate part of ramen as
3: a gamer food. Like, I mean, here, I just... Oh, sure, yeah. yeah that to I me think it's
1: college food. It's
3: In America.
2: it's true it's both it's both yeah hey matt did you know that wombats poop cubes
3: nope never heard that before
2: did you know the unicorn is the national animal of scotland ken i didn't know nor do i care neil did you know that Liechtenstein is the only doubly landlocked country in europe jeff isn't that an american pop artist well actually it's both
4: Find us on all your preferred podcast apps and
2: take part in the fun of playing bar trivia without the need to wear pants.
4: Real mature, Jeff. Forget it, Neil. It's triviality.
3: So, I'm assuming that you guys have all seen the classic 1980s movie, The Cannonball Run.
2: You know what happens when you assume... It makes Colin, an ass out of me. Out of you and Umption. Yeah.
3: yeah. <laughs> Nobody, no one here has seen it. I don't even know what I've, the
2: movie is I know is what about. it is, but I, I, I okay. sadly.
3: Does it have Burt Reynolds? It does have does Burt
2: it Reynolds.
0: Dabney Coleman?
2: Dom DeLuise? Yes. That's okay. that's what you're thinking of. You're you're making I the know. classic Dabney Coleman, Dom DeLuise switch.
0: <laughs> I just, like, I, I remember bright colors and cars and, like, people finding things funny that
3: I didn't understand. Like I remember
1: that. <laughs> movie like,
0: okay, and you right. just So now we know when. I have,
2: decided, yeah.
1: Yeah. I've never heard of this and have no idea where
3: it is. The premise of the movie is a coast-to-coast auto race. Yeah. Uh, and it. I mean, it's an all-star cast. As you say, Burt Reynolds, Dom Deluise, Dean Martin, Sammy Davis Jr., oh. Jackie Chan is one of the racers Whoa. in the movie, Terry Bradshaw, Roger Moore.
1: Wait, Terry Bradshaw the football player? Yes, Terry Bradshaw
3: the football player <laughs> uh, and budding actor at one oh, point. Yeah. And the plot of the movie was about a group of racers racing from Connecticut to California and of course the hijinks that ensue Mm -hmm. along the way oh
1: that actually sounds fun
2: and illegal yes highly
3: (laughs) highly illegal yes
0: when did it come out uh
3: 1981 it was an absolute smash hit at the box office it was it was the sixth highest grossing movie of 1981 there were sequels to it it spawned a whole a whole sort of uh genre of wacky auto race uh Uh. uh, movies and stories (laughs) Now, what you may not know, even if you've seen the movie several times, is that the Cannonball Run was directly inspired by a real-life, coast-to-coast race uh, of the same name. Several times over the course of the 1970s, they ran Cannonball Baker Sea to Shining Sea Memorial Trophy Dash. Informally, it was just called the Cannonball Run. So let's back up a bit. Uh, Let me tell you about Erwin Baker. Erwin Baker was a race driver and kind of all-around gearhead, vehicle nut. From the 1910s to the 1930s, he set dozens and dozens and dozens of driving records. And and he was particularly interested in cross-country distance driving records. Uh, In 1915, he drove a Stutz Bearcat from L.A. to New York City, just a a little bit over 11 days. Uh, Over the course of the years, he got that record down to a week. And I want to I point out, this, this was before the interstate highway system, okay? Oh, so whoa. So this is on regular city roads, maybe a two-lane highway whoa. here and there. Yeah, so just to put it in perspective. Okay, does he sleep? He would sleep on the multi-day trips, yeah, certainly. Uh, he did get to the point, though, where he was trying to go essentially nonstop, like just oh. stopping up just to gas or, so you know. So dangerous.
1: I know. For everybody, yeah. It,
3: it, there are— uh,
1: That means he pees in a seat. You can.
3: Uh, <laughs> it does not necessarily you can pause mean. Pause for a minute. Yeah. You can pause you can for a stop and pull over and pee yeah. by the side of the but, road. But they're not See, sleeping I'm at sure all. sure you
2: so that car. You wouldn't just fill it with the smell of human urine. <laughs>
3: The the peak of his achievements was his 1933 drive, uh, where he went from New York City to San Francisco in 53 and a half hours.
2: Zooming. Were there any national speed limits at that point? This this
3: predated Uh, national speed limits. Yeah, by decades. Sure. Right.
2: Which helps, of course. The car established its own speed limit because it couldn't go that much faster. You're right.
3: And this was the drive that would later inspire the Cannonball Run, named in his honor. So the first Cannonball Run was in 1971, and and it was conceived by a guy named Brock Yates, who was a racer and a writer. Uh, He wrote for Car and Driver, and uh, Steve Smith, who also was affiliated with Car and Driver magazine. And they came up with the idea of, you know what, let's stage a grand spectacle of a coast-to-coast race, kind of sort of celebrate the fact that we do now have an interstate highway system, and we'll write about it, and we'll cover it in Car and Driver magazine. But it's still illegal? It is still highly, highly illegal. So when you do these races, you kind of have to do it on the down low you don't publicize it until after you're done so there was only one team running the run the first year and over the course of the 70s as it got more and more publicized and popularized the the number of teams grew the rules were pretty much wide open you could take any route you want You could drive however fast you feel is necessary. Any type of vehicle you want. Uh, Speeding tickets were your own responsibility. Everyone had to leave from the same starting spot. And the ultimate destination was a place called the Portofino Inn in Redondo Beach, California. And it really captured people's imaginations. Like, even if you weren't a a racer or a car nut, it was just the idea of the spectacle of racing flying across the country. Fastest coast-to-coast time in a cannonball run uh, was set in the very last one in 1979. Made it in 32 hours and 50. 1 minutes.
2: Wow. wow.
3: And that is fast. That was an average speed of 87 miles an hour.
2: Whoa! Yeah,
3: from all the way across the country, 3000 miles. And uh, that's average. You know they yeah. went oh, way above. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. And largely after the publicity and popularity of that last race is what kind of triggered Hollywood Ken Calling and came to Brock Yates and they he agreed to let them use the name for the movie and they also sort of decided, you know what, this is too high profile now. We need to shut down the Cannonball Run. Ah, because yeah, at this point, yeah. he, cop Are going to be on the lookout, the whole nation. Right. Okay. So Cannibal Run retires. After the last Cannibal Run, after they retired it, uh, one of the racers who had run a couple of the earlier races decided, no, we need to continue this tradition going. Uh, So his name was Rick Doherty. And what he did is he created a race called the U.S. Express. Which was functionally and spiritually the almost the same as the Cannonball Run, right? Yeah, you're leaving from New York or Connecticut, racing down to California. Uh, so in the first U.S. Express in 1980, Rick Doherty, his driving partner ended up being none other than ah,
2: Chris knows Will Wright, creator of Sim City and Whoa! The Sims and other such fine huh. video games. Were they
1: friends?
2: They were.
1: Oh, they
3: guess. were. They knew each other through the circle. Apparently, each of them- with had... the
1: racing circle? Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yep. 83 was the last year they had it. But by the last year of the U.S. Express, the Coast to Coast, the fastest official Coast to Coast time was down to 32 hours, seven minutes- after, after this last U.S. Express, a lot of the coast-to-coast driving attempts, they got really serious about it. And it got less and less about the, oh, the kind of the fun wackiness of a group race into yeah. dedicated single teams doing single-team driving records. Who do training. Secretly, highly illegal, lots of preparation. I mean, and I'm talking about modifying the yeah. car, larger gas tanks, you know, radar detectors. Uh, once they uh. became available, GPS. Mm-hmm. So that last record from the 83 U.S. Express stood uh, until 2006. When racers named Alex Roy and Dave Marr broke that record. 31 hours and 4 minutes. They waited almost a year to announce this, mainly because they wanted to wait for the statute of limitations (laughs) to expire on all All of the the, traffic violations that they most assuredly broke along the way. Mm -hmm. Just a few months ago, the record was broken again by a big margin. Driver Ed Bolian and his two-man support team, they completed the trip in 28
2: hours,
3: 50 minutes. So they're
2: the only people who've done it under 30 hours. Basically. They are the only yeah. people
3: who who claim to have documentation of doing it okay. sub-30 sure. hours. Yeah. right? In wow. interviews, they've asked uh, Ed Boley, and they said, you know, like, what's the hardest part? Is it going without the sleep? Is it having to pee? And he said it was the preparation. They modified the car. Uh, they, <laughs> they took out the back seat so they could fit a 67-gallon gas tank in oh, this car. okay. Oh. okay. Yeah. They had multiple GPS units. They had a police scanner. They had radar detectors. They had a laser jammer uh, uh-huh. for jamming a uh, laser speed detection. They had a CB radio so they could listen to truckers talking, and on a couple occasions they would impersonate truckers actually to help trucks get out of their way.
4: Uh-huh. <laughs>
2: Nice. Yeah, they oh, would get on the so CB. Smart. Yeah. And, like, is, hey, yeah, you know, can you move serious. aside for me? Yeah, yep, right.
3: Yeah, right. Again, these yeah. are not legal no. modifications no. to your car. There's I don't so want.
0: much gas in that car,
3: and they're going so fast. What if they had a car accident? There are a lot of people who really say this is a shameful uh, activity. We shouldn't yeah. be glorifying. Uh, they could have sure. killed so people, dangerous. they could have hurt people. Fortunately, nobody has ever been oh. injured. There have been no serious accidents in any of these coast-to-coast attempts yet.
2: yet. Right. Fair right. point. Fair now, point. To be fair. They are really, 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 Prepared. really, really good at driving.
3: Cars. Uh, they said that one of the biggest keys to their success was they had scout cars and lead cars, so they knew the route they were going to take, and they had oh enlisted God. friends mm-hmm. and associates to drive at various periods, uh, you know, 100 or 200 miles ahead of them. They only waited yeah. a few weeks to announce their record. And oh so it it is still right now actually a little bit of an open question of is it possible some jurisdiction somewhere may decide to come after them? but I'd like to wrap all of this up by looking at how far we've come uh, in in less than a hundred years. So I mean, I think it bears repeating that that none of these records would be possible today if it weren't for the interstate highway system, even though there were pieces taking shape earlier, it wasn't until nineteen fifty six the Interstate Highway Act. Uh, was signed into law by President Dwight Eisenhower, who really felt, you know what, the nation needs a coordinated interstate highway system for many reasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one, going way back before that, one of the early experiments happened in 1919. Uh, the U.S. Army conducted an experiment to see, is it even possible to drive coast to coast? So the Army sent out a convoy of trucks uh, from Camp Meade, Maryland, driving to San Francisco, California. The trip took them... <laughs> two months
2: <laughs> Wait, when was
3: this? with an average speed of seven miles per hour <laughs> yeah. in 1919 oh, now to yeah, be fair yeah, it was a either. convoy of trucks and sure. their army trucks yep yeah, they all have to stay together yes. yes they have to go at the pace that.
4: of the
2: slowest <laughs> yeah. one
3: and the officer in charge of this convoy experiment a young dwight eisenhower
1: Oh. Okay. So he's
3: like, we need some roads. He had a vested interest yeah. from huh. decades back. It was a long two months. It was a long <laughs> like, two months at seven miles an hour. This? So that is the long and yet fast story of coast to coast driving in America. I can imagine the next mm-hmm. benchmark, someone's going to try and get it under a day. What if someone needs to poop? You, you i were... know
1: everybody's asking that question in their heads what do you adult do diapers. adult diapers they said
3: they said that they brought bedpans with them just mm-hmm. in case they needed them it sounds like they didn't need
2: to use yeah, them
0: probably it's not nice for their um their cool guy status
4: yeah to like, I pooped in That's a true. They'll, yeah they'll yeah. tell you
2: all about every single law they broke but as to whether or not they used bedpans <laughs> no if comment. they did they're probably not going to make that in the official report yeah. Of course, we here on Good Job Rain have no need for your earth cars because we, <laughs> we are in possession of uh, a time machine. As, as you know, constant listeners, if you've been following along the past couple of weeks. The, not just the, any
1: time machine.
2: Not just any time machine. The fancy
1: and ridiculous time interloper system, the fartest. Yes.
2: Has been stolen by our nemesis, international, uh, thief, Carmen San Mateo. Carmen and uh, one of her, one of her, uh, the hoodlums in her gang, uh, supermodel and cat burglar hide a clue. Have stolen. That's so good. <laughs> so good. <laughs> it's, just, it's just so good. Last time we got a tip <laughs> from uh, from uh, Macapella, the uh, non instrumental, non infringing musical group that uh, we we had to um, solve. That was an, an anagram. anagram. Yep. There was an anagram, and the anagram, Well, the 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 words of the anagram were high nine rice nibbler. Yep. And they let us know uh, that, that we would have to figure out how to anagram that into a famous four-word phrase used by a United States president in a speech. A yes. speech. And yes. thanks
4: to
1: listeners who, uh, lots of you guys solved this, this is tricky because the anagram is not in English. It was
2: not in English. Mm-hmm. It was an anagram of a four-word phrase in German. Yes. And that phrase turned out to be, as again, many of you got, Ich bin ein Berliner. Yeah! Uttered by uh, John F. Kennedy means I am a citizen of Berlin. Now, there was an um actually here <laughs> because a lot of people think that he actually made a mistake. He, he That he should have said ich bin Berliner and that ich bin ein Berliner means I am a jelly donut.
4: Yes. <laughs> um,
2: it would actually, if he really wanted to say, I am a jelly donut, that is what he would have said. And yeah. of course, if you listen to, uh, if you actually listen to the recording of the speech, people, they don't laugh at him. They applaud yeah, him. They so they like, they're him. not, yeah, they didn't, they didn't think it was a <laughs> a, a funny joke. Uh, luckily, we were able to enter in the correct date, which was? 06261963.
1: And that's June 26th, 1963.
2: Punching that into the emergency backup Fardis, we were off to scenic Berlin, Germany in the 60s. This is what transpired when we got there.
3: Today, in the world of freedom, the proudest boast is Ich bin Ein
2: I, uh,
4: Brain people. Oh, you found me. You must have also deduced what I was after all this time. Lincoln, Kennedy, the two American presidents shared too much in common for it to be a coincidence. Lincoln was elected in eighteen sixty. Kennedy was elected in 1960. Both of them had vice presidents named Johnson. Lincoln was shot in Ford's theater while Kennedy was shot riding in a Ford Lincoln. (sighs) If I could figure out what connected these two men, I could become president and then steal all of America's gold. Can you believe that Carmen called me crazy? She said something about confirmation bias, and then she ditched me here in Berlin and took off in the Fartis. Maybe she's got a bigger plan, but I really thought that my scheme was perfection. A, a better, easier scheme, but it really takes higher devotion and youthfulness. Anyway, you might have caught me, but you'll never catch Carmen. Not unless you find the clue that I hid in that last sentence.
2: All right. Uh, I feel like we're getting well, close. I like. Mean, well, first of we're all, all we were able to apprehend. Hide a clue. Yeah, she is. She in,
1: sounds kind of familiar. She She's in trivia in a jail. Weird way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but what did she yeah, say? Yeah,
2: her her scheme was pretty bad. Cray cray. Yeah,
0: and you know what? She should have aimed for twenty sixty if she was going to keep the pattern. Right. 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 Yeah. Yep. Yeah.
2: Yep. Yeah, 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 true. Well. <laughs>
0: The two presidents
1: were assassinated. Like, Does she want what, that? Yeah, yeah also true. That?
2: I I really don't know yes. what uh, what the plan was. All the right. beauty,
1: but not a lot of brains. Yeah,
2: stealing yeah. America's gold. I think she thought that if you become president, you just get to walk into Fort Knox and walk out and with just, the gold. Right, right. right. I don't know. Um, I don't yeah. know what she's what she's thinking.
3: It's nope. inside the mind of a, a dangerous right. criminal. You know. Well, we we sure.
2: still need to get Carmen San Mateo, and luckily, yes. uh, you know, true to her name, hit a clue. Uh, hit a clue for us.
3: What did she say?
1: A better, easier scheme, but. It really takes higher devotion and youthfulness.
3: Mm.
2: Interesting. All
1: right. A
2: odd it's phrase. a weird. It's a weird bit of phrasing, for a sure. A better
1: easier, not a better and easier, but a better easier. A scheme. better
2: easier scheme.
1: But it really takes higher devotion and
2: youthfulness. Well, All
1: right. There's something in there. All right, listeners, you guys mm-hmm. got to help us out. Of course, we'll update our fardis on the website and you can if you know the code, you can punch it in and see if we can track Carmen San Mateo down. And that is our show, everybody. Thank you guys for joining me. And thank you guys, listeners, for listening in. Hope you learned a lot of stuff about fast things, instant noodles, cannonball run, FedEx. And you can find us on iTunes, on Stitcher, on SoundCloud, and on our website, goodjobbrain.com. Thanks to our sponsor, lynda.com. And we'll see you guys next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.